Hello, everybody, and welcome to Comment Section Comic-Con Special Part 2, where this time we're actually going to talk about comics as an honorary uh, nod to what Comic-Con uh, initially is all about. So... The show must go on. Yes, because there isn't an actual Comic-Con, not much in the way of big uh, entertainment news has come out. We're going to talk about comic. We've always wanted to do this. This is going to be a comic-centric episode. Comic section, if you will. Yes. That could almost be the title, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Comment section, comic section. That's a tongue twister. Oh, yes, Comment section, comic section. We'll have to give it to our friend and unwanted answers, the unemployed actor, to use as a as a vocal warm up. Comment section, comment section, comment section, comment section. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So who um, wants to go first with their? I guess if you want, since I went first okay. last time, you can say your first pick. All for right. Uh, a comic you know book. where we'll begin is um, since we have video, we have visual aids. I have something here. That I've mentioned a lot on this, uh, possibly even in one of the first episodes of this show. Um, I I am in particular. I, I'm gonna say, for a while, I I wanted to have like a a a comic corner section on uh, segment on this show, and I Paul read some... Paul rejected it, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I know. He was he was angry that I had even <laughs> yes. suggested a new a new segment. Um, but, uh, and I think that I actually am... I think that's why that brick came through the uh, basement window. A- anyway. Oh, I'll let you know when he's angry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, now, since we have a comment, uh, a comment, a comic. I'm. That's gonna be a hard episode. Since oh, we have yes. a comic-centric <laughs> episode, like I'm going to finally talk about something I read a while ago. One of the I looked up just best Spider-Man storylines or arcs, and I just started like writing I have a guess notes. Of what this is? This is like the one that was like, this is the best one. You yes. gotta read this. So it's the 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 trade paperback I read it in was Death of the Stacys, but it's like the the night Gwen Stacy died story arc. Um, Wait, do you have it with you? I don't, but I have oh. a different visual aid. It's <gasps> the... <laughs> oh, yes! Before I re- before I read that, I reread this because I finally found it. Um, the trade paperback of the first ten issues. I also reread this. Um, Sorry, in which I brought my good. visual aids. Yeah. But... Uh, I've read that a couple times in my life, but uh, more recently what I'm going to talk about. Death of the Stacys, that's also in a trade paperback. I don't have it with me because I uh, checked it out from a library. So it was both and, of them? It was both? Um, what's her dad's name? I forget. But yeah, you, yeah, yeah. It was the it one was with both. her dad? Okay, and Gwen. Yeah. yeah I, um, the one I own, because I own this, is mm-hmm. the one where... It's the death of Gwen Stacy, and the first three are about Harry Osborne and uh, drug addiction he has. I think that's exactly what it... Because um, <clears throat> it's issues ranging from 1970 to 1973. The first few are Stan Lee issues. Yeah. But then the vast majority are Gary Conway yeah. issues. Um, so... So, the, like, the remind main story... Me, arc remind me, it. remind me to make a recommendation for people who have read this first okay. one. I need that, because um, I was... I didn't get around to... I think I think I couldn't find a copy of it, but the th- one, the next one I want to read is the Craven's, Craven's Last, Last Hunt. Yeah, Craven... Yeah, yeah, Craven I think I got confused with X-Men. Craven's yeah. uh, Hunt or something. Craven's Last yeah. Hunt. So, um... This was, uh... It really felt like it felt like I was getting a little more of this flavor. Yes. Even though it wasn't the majority of it wasn't Stan Lee, but most God, of the other Spider-Man comics. I love Marvel comics from the sixties and seventies. Yeah, I know. I I really I I have not gotten into many Marvel comics that are more contemporary. I I really like this era, um, and um, yeah, it was like it was like. 
this on steroids. It was so well written. And, a little bit um, literally with Harry's problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. That is uh, n- no offense intended, Harry. Yes. Um, so, f- first of all, uh, great uh, Doc Ock stuff going on in it. Um and he, the fact that he, he, he like guides his uh, tentacles without him being there at the, at the beginning of it, I think, which <laughs> I thought was really cool. Um, and this is something I really love, but I think is funny about old comics. It might be a, it might be a Stan Lee writing thing, or it might be just comics in general from back then. But they like over-explain things. Yes. Where like they're like. He's like, Ak must be guiding them from somewhere, but he's still in jail. He's making them attack themselves. They'll attack <laughs> anyone who tries to stop them. And it's like, yeah, you said exactly what's happening. Yes. But I, I like it. It's It's got a charm to it. Um, it had a, a big emphasis on Peter Parker being a scientist, which was a new uh, uh, angle for me that I really liked. Um, yeah, during the Gwen Stacy era, he's like uh, in college. Right, yeah. So I kind of saw a different era for the first time, a different a different part of his life for the first time. It was more um, like the Sam Raimi era than some of like the recent adaptions. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's uh, mostly uh, quite a showdown with Doc Ock. Uh, some great losses. I mean... I'd say no spoilers, but the title is, <laughs> uh, yeah, see if you can figure it out. Iceman shows up, uh, little X-Men crossover. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. They should make a, they should make a film universe around this stuff. Yeah, they should. Um, Maybe one and, day. And speaking of adaptions, um, Green Goblin makes an appearance and I did not know this, but the end of Spider-Man 1 yeah, ha- is, it has to there. be adapted yeah. off. Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> I was, I was getting to that part and I was like. I've seen this before. Wait, wait, <laughs> what? Wait, what? I'm getting deja vu, but I've never read this before. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. I was like, oh, no wonder this is such a famous arc. It's been adapted into a movie. Yes. And they <laughs> did it, that particular part. They did a bit of that in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, except because obviously it was a Saturday morning cartoon, so they couldn't kill off the goblin. So yeah. in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon... He has like a portal thing, and it's right after he throws Mary Jane off the George Washington Bridge, she falls into a portal. But Spider Man yeah. thinks she fell into the ocean, and he jumps in, tries to find her, and she's not there. And so he thinks Green Goblin killed Mary Jane, which we saw that again in Sam Raimi's first movie where he brings her to the bridge. <clears throat> Yeah, and he goes to fight the Green Goblin, being like, "This is it," and then he's like, "No, I can't do it." And there's a moment where the Green Goblin's turning back to Norman Osborn because the portal is open and it's unstable, and he's being sucked in, and he's yelling for Spider-Man to help him as Norman Osborn, and and um, Spider-Man's like, "Revenge is never the best option," so he goes to try to save Norman Osborn, and then. He gets his laugh and goes back to his Green Goblin voice, and the glider comes crashing for Spider-Man, and he ducks out of, a, out of the way, and it hits Norman, and then Norman flies into the portal, and then the portal shuts closed, oh, and, he, and then Spider-Man oh. yells, No! It can't end like this! Oh, it was <laughs> yeah. so good. I it remember didn't watching like this that and just getting goosebumps, yeah. like, Oh my god, yeah. because in the episode before... No, it's the same episode. Norman stalks Spider-Man to find out he's Peter and there's a moment where Norman's having a party and um, they're all at a dinner table and then Norman turns to Mary Jane in front of everyone and then he goes you know Mary Jane Peter and I have a little secret and then you hear Peter in the show they have you could hear Peter's inner monologue and he's like what is he talking about? And then Norman's like, I think, Peter, we should share your little secret with everyone. He's like, he does know I'm Spider-Man. Oh, it was such a good show. Such a good episode. But yes. That's awesome. That storyline, even if you're yeah. in Sam Raimi's movie. Yeah, it's a it's a great storyline. So yeah, that's <clears throat> that's about all I, I, I have to say about it. I think it was a, a good... Uh, 
<clears throat> introduction. Uh, I was wish it, it were fun easier. Read where everyone dies. <clears throat> yes, it was. Yeah. <clears throat> like, oh, it's just not... Mary Jane. Who cares? Yeah, <clears throat> it, it's like. Does li- she still li- speak in her uh, hippie? Because she used to be like, "Hey, what's going on, Daddy O?" She's very sixties in her speaking in her first introduction. She might have. I can't. I can't. Remember, I think they might have toned it down. Yeah, a little bit, but man. She was very much from the 60s. She used so much yeah. 60s slang. Yeah. What's going on, cool cats? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, didn't you say, uh, before we move on to your thing, didn't you have, you had like, a recommendation? Yes. For people who have read the first 10 issues graphic novel. Yeah. In 2014, they did a thing called Spider-Man Year One. Now, Anytime you hear year one, you should get excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's called Spider-Man Year One, Learning to Crawl by Dan yeah. Slott. Now, normally, I'm not the biggest fan of Dan Slott. But every once in a while, he will turn out something great. And this was a great one. It's basically, it's a story that takes place within the first year of Spider-Man's story, the Spider-Man storyline. So, you see... um. There was the main person is the person who I think because they had to change it because it's in 2014 they couldn't make it be in the 60s, but it's a person who, when Spider Man goes to wrestle Crusher Hogan, he videotaped it on his phone and posted it on YouTube and he made Spider Man the star, and then because Spider Man isn't like he's kind of like this creepy nerd. Where because Spider-Man doesn't become his friend, he becomes this villain called Clash. Oh. And we see what happened in between the issues. Like, there's... At one moment, you see... Like, it starts off right at the end of Amazing Fantasy 15, where he's coming home after capturing the burglar. And we see Peter and Aunt May at Uncle Ben's funeral. So... If you are a fan of those first 10 issues, the first year of The Amazing Spider-Man, check out Dan Slott's Spider-Man Year One, Learning to Crawl, which is like a Lion King one and a half. It shows what happened in between the issues. Yeah. Hmm. And it's got some great covers by Alex Ross. That's awesome. So if you're a fan of this... Yes. Yeah. All right. Great wreck. Yes. Um, yeah, so what's you, what's your first comic you want to bring up today? <laughs> well, I didn't know how I wanted to do this, so I figured the first few I'd mention are the ones I read the most recently. Yeah. And, you know, ye- last year for, Comet, for Comic-Con, there was something we were very excited for. Mm-hmm. It was called Crisis on Infinite Earths. And <clears throat> it was a classic storyline being adapted to the CW. Now, I had not read Crisis on Infinite Earths, and when they announced it, I I got it for, like, my birthday, and I immediately put it away, because I was like, no, I'm going to wait until after I see the TV special, because I didn't want spoilers. Yeah. And, And so, I watched the special, did not like it, so that made me even put it off even more, but I think it was... When we knew we were going to do a comic episode of this, I said, okay, finally going to read Crisis on Infinite Earths. And I read it, and I was like, and the whole time, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Wow. So, yes. So, it begins the same way as the TV version, where it talks about how there was the multiverse, and we see the destruction of the multiverse, And it really goes back to part one of the TV special is great, and then the rest aren't very good. But a lot of the cool stuff from the comic is in part one. And then there's some stuff sprinkled throughout the TV crossover, but most of the good... I'll give them credit. They had a lot of the memorable moments from the comic in there, which are just good YouTube clips, but still... I can appreciate that a lot of the good stuff is in there, but <clears throat> what they had is they had it where 
they were bringing together the heroes of Earth 1 and Earth 2, which at the time, there was the versions from the 40s and 50s teaming up with the versions from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Basically, think of it like George Reeves teaming up with Christopher Reeve or Linda Carter teaming up with Gal Gadot. Stuff like that. And it was them coming together to try to save as many worlds as they could. And But what I really loved was the moment where Earth, all the multiverse could smash together and then Clark Kent, the older Superman from the 40s, he's basically the way you can tell the difference is he has like gray streaks in his hair. Yeah. He goes to the Daily Planet and he meets the the current Clark Kent. And he's like, "Wait, what are you doing here? What what are you doing here?" And then um Clark the real Clark has to explain, "Oh yeah, he's he's my uncle who I was named after, also named Clark Kent." So, it it ends with like <clears throat> The thing I loved about it was seeing all these characters interact and we had such a bigger such a big threat in the in the anti-monitor. And it was really cuz unlike like the the TV crossover where it was I'm going to go meet Tom Welling chopping wood. Hi Tom Welling, gone. Or hi, I'm going to meet Kevin Conroy. Let's talk in the Batcave. Okay, goodbye, Kevin Conroy. This was, they're all together. They're all fighting side by side. And it ends with, basically, there's only, the Anti-Monitor has to be defeated because he's about to destroy the last, like, Earth of the multiverse. And who who is the last person to face him? Do you think who makes the most sense to face him? <laughs> Steppenwolf. <laughs> no, we no Steppenwolf <laughs> isn't there. It's the Superman from the '40s comics, the original Superman. So the anti-monitor, yeah. the only one who can defeat him is the original Superman from 1938. So it ends with him defeating him. He thinks that his Lois has died. And then it turns out that Alex Luthor from another Earth saved her. So, I was just reading it, and I haven't read a lot of the Silver Age comics, because this was basically the finale to the era of comics of the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, they did a really good... It basically was... It felt like this big um, event. And we saw... They did a really good job of show with the deaths of Supergirl and Flash, where, um, like, and I think, I'm pretty sure, you remember that confusing scene in Batman vs. Superman, where Flash is, like, going to Bruce in a dream, saying, Bruce! Oh, yeah. I was like, you know, yeah. I bet Snyder got that from Crisis, because that, that, there's a scene where that happens. Oh, yeah. I'm like... You know what? For not being a very good TV crossover, it was a very good comic. So, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Huh? I had not read it, but man, did it live up to <laughs> yeah. the hype. They, they did it right in that form. Yes. Hopefully one day, maybe we can get an animated version. Because I think... Yeah. I would still say... <laughs> If I were to ever, if we had to have a live-action version of Crisis, I would want the CW writers to do it. And I'm just like, if they couldn't do it, no one could do it. So I'm just like, maybe they'll, maybe they can do it in animated form. I don't really care about it in live-action, but maybe one day we can get an animation because you could do it. Because it's not like they're meeting a bunch of different characters. They're meeting. There's the Silver Age meeting the Golden Age. So basically. You would just need to meet one other Superman, one other Flash, one other Batman, so... Yeah. Sounds cool. Yes, it was very cool. And the sequel, Infinite Crisis, maybe I'll mention it later, is my favorite kind of of these blockbuster events that DC's <clears throat> ever done from 2006. Hmm. So yeah, if you were not a fan of the Crisis CW crossover, check out... <laughs> Man, Marv Wolfman, he did a great job. And he did have a cameo in the TV special. Oh, really? The writer. 
And you know oh, what? Yeah. He had the, one of the best cameos. You know why? Because he goes up to ask for Flash and Supergirl's autograph. And he's the one who tells them, oh, yeah, you two, you've been on the same Earth this whole time, which they weren't. So his cameo actually add to the plot, oh. unlike <laughs> literally any of the other ones. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so <clears throat> there we go. And once, once again, the first episode of the crossover is great. The other ones, not so much, although there's some cool moments in there you can look up on YouTube. Yeah. But, oh, man. I remember, like, I'd be reading it at, like, 2 a.m. being like, I'm getting, but I need to know what happens next. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's awesome. That's a way to know that you got something good there. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I guess they they didn't do it justice, so. <laughs> for well, you didn't the first that. part, but the rest was. Yeah. The rest was just so pointless. Did I... Man, I didn't know if I wanted to bring this up or not. <laughs> but boy, there was an interview with Mark Guggenheim. Oh. oh, Mark Guggenheim. And he, he was... Well, you know, I'll always be thankful for what he did for seasons one through three and five of Arrow. And he did write a few good episodes of season eight, but man, I I try to understand the logic sometimes besides some <laughs> of the things he says, because they were talking about crisis with him, and I I, I do genuinely believe he he gave it his best shot. I think maybe he was used to from people who just watched it for the Oliver Felicity romance. That, oh, you just throw them some crap they would want. They'll like it without care of the story. Yeah. I I think that finally caught up with him because it's like, no, most people don't watch it for that stupid romance. They watch it for the story. Yeah. And he talks about, you know, I love this crossover. And even without those cameos, it would still be good. I'm just like, Mark, the crossover's nothing but those stupid cameos. (laughs) Yeah. So... I mean, I guess nothing would be better than this, but still. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, yeah, talk, he, he talked about his favorite appearances from the crossover. And he's like, you know, I'm having a hard time deciding between Brandon Routh, who did not add much, but he was he was good in it. Tom Welling or Kevin Conroy. I'm just like, Mark, <laughs> what the hell, man? What's going on? <laughs> really? Really? Now, maybe you have good <laughs> memories of working with them, but did you actually yeah. watch what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, at least the one thing is Crisis actually made me go back and appreciate Superman Returns because mm-hmm. what they did with Brandon Rouse Superman like added to it, and if you view it as like an Elseworlds story with Crisis... It actually is like an interesting, like, what if Superman was a tragedy? Hmm. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yes. Always good to have something so bad that it makes you appreciate something else. Yes. In a new way. Yes. So, I figured, like, between mentioning the comic books, we could mention, like, a few news stories. Yeah, sure. All right. So... Um, all right, this one's a quick one, and then we'll bring up this one, which is a big one. Okay. So, we do have some news about what the next CW crossover will be. And after Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was obviously their biggest one, they announced that... <clears throat> they kind of said they were going to go more small-scale in their crossover... For next year, which which makes sense. Mm-hmm. And the next crossover will be a crossover between Superman and Batwoman. So, at first, I didn't know what how I'd feel because it was a crossover between what I think will be the best show of the CW universe with what I think is the worst show of the CW universe. Oh. <laughs> 
but an optimistic thing to to look at it the bright way because sometimes that's all you can all you can do is hope I'll just say this you know however it turns out one having Superman crossover with Batwoman means that we'll get begin a bonus episode with Superman because it will be a Batwoman episode and I'll also say this uh, you know I'm not a fan of the Batwoman TV show but the showrunner Carolyn Dries did work on Smallville and did write some great episodes of the show. The difference was she had great bosses in Alfred Goff and Miles Millar. But she has proven that she knows how to write Superman. So, and I think I did watch one recently. What was it that I believe she wrote? It was one from season six where Clark and Lex are like stuck in a underground shaft thing like they're trapped underground and there's kryptonite uh, gas that's going to be released oh they're yeah they're trapped in a tunnel and she wrote that one <clears throat> so she's proven that she knows how to write Superman so you know I, I'd, I'd rather Superman team up with Flash or Supergirl or Black Lightning, but we're going to get a bonus one, and it's with... No, I'm not a fan of Batwoman, but she has shown... She has done it before where she's been yeah. able to write Superman good, and maybe, maybe it will help Batwoman, even though it's not the same character, to, to take her out of Gotham City and not constantly reference Batman. So what are your thoughts yeah. about... Superman and Batwoman being the next crossover in the DC television universe. I mean, it sounds to me it sounds really cool on its face. Um <clears throat> like obviously um if there's like a if there's a potential for like a bad show um crossover like character-wise it seems very cool. I do think that you you have a point too with um <clears throat> The problems you you seem to have with, with it, like mentioning Batman and it, uh, the the Gotham City, um, uh, it does seem like the, doing it in a crossover form would sort of remove a lot of those issues. It'd be hard to mention Batman all the time when you're yes. crossing over a Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So hopefully, it can be good. All right. Now this was a big thing that happened recently so and god I hope that doesn't overtake the whole episode <laughs> yeah but obviously right now movie theaters are closed because of the pandemic so obviously studios are going to have to start not all the stuff that was filmed meant for theaters is going to make it to theaters yeah so they've been, some studios have been dumping some of what they had planned onto streaming services. Yeah. One of them mentioned was Scoob, and lucky for us, ugh, that movie sucked. <laughs> but another one that ha- that I was surprised by that's moving is Mulan. Yeah. Mulan, next month, will be on Disney+. Plus. For a charge of $30. Now they yeah, say well, you can keep it, but I mean, it's going to go on the streaming service eventually for free for everyone, so. it's When I first heard that, I was like, $30? Like, That's a lot. So, yeah. let me, I'll, I'll just say this, and then I'll turn over to you for your thoughts about dumping Mulan onto Disney Plus. Yeah. I mean, it's different, like, with Onward. Like, with Onward, it had been in theaters, and they knew it was done at that point. So yeah. they put it on Disney Plus for free. M- what they're doing with Mulan is interesting, because Mulan is a movie I think would be better off keeping it in the vault and waiting for it to go into theaters. Because, I mean... Let's just be honest now, guys. It's time to be honest. Honesty is the best policy. 
I know a lot of people love Mulan. I from our generation. I, I think you mentioned it's like one of your favorite ones, right? Yeah, it, it might be my favorite uh uh like 2D animated. Yeah. So that's and I big. see a lot of people <laughs> from our generation reference it. I remember I think I, I remember taking this horrible history class, online history class my junior year. And people from that class who from the grade ahead of me who were also in that computer lab would play Mulan songs all the time. <laughs> so I know it, it means a lot to people from our generation. That being said, Mulan is not a beloved classic. It just isn't. It's not on the level of, say, Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin or Cinderella. Mulan is not a movie that generations of people loved. Like, uh, like a grandma, a mom, and a daughter could be excited for <clears throat> Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Not going to happen with Mulan. Maybe the mom, but not going to happen with Mulan. Mulan just, it's, it's just not. It's not a beloved one. It's not one that goes generations like Beauty and the Beast or Cinderella. It just isn't. I I kind of wonder how much of that is just amount of time it's existed, but I I I'll could see the Tangled is that... more beloved than Mulan. Yeah, probably. But... It's just <laughs> it it's not it just didn't hit the way other ones have, and that's the doesn't take away from it being a great movie. I agree, it's a great movie, but it's not beloved. It's not one that will go on for generations and generations like a Snow White or a Cinderella or Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. And so, playing on Disney Plus, and we're also, and charging it for 30 bucks? Now, let's also say this. I liked the live-action Beauty and the Beast. I thought Aladdin was their best live-action movie that they've done, and it was the one I wanted to see the most. I watched it once, and I have no interest in ever watching it again. And nothing against it. I just why well, watch it when the when the far superior animated version exists. Yeah. I I just don't think for a movie that's not beloved by generations, beloved by our generation, but not by multiple generations. When people don't really the live action ones disappear quickly from the pop culture and for 30 bucks I get it they spent a lot on this movie they were really banking to make a lot of this movie in China which it sounds mm-hmm. like they're still hoping to release it theatrically in China yeah but I just think this Disney Plus plan might be a mistake I don't think it's going to be the big success that they thought it would be. I mean, obviously, it yeah. would have made more. Maybe it would have had the chance to make a billion if a lot of people from our generation kept going back and watching it over and over and over again. Yeah. But in a world where Mulan's not beloved by generations, when no one really cares about the live-action ones, and remember, I liked it, but the last live action one, The Lion King, live action, The Lion King, a lot of people were unhappy with. Yeah. And 30 bucks and the when the economy is not very good for a movie when you can watch let's just call it the animated movie is going to be better. We we don't have to watch it to know. It just will <laughs> yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. You can watch that for free. I just and the fact that you can just wait a little bit and you'll eventually watch it for free, I just think... I understand business-wise, but I think you'd be better off waiting for it and when that theater's open, putting it into theaters. So, I don't know. I think putting it on Disney Plus for 30 bucks is a mistake. So, yeah. that's my thoughts on it. So, what are your thoughts? Because... You, I thought, were looking forward to this. You thought this had the potential to be the best one of the live-action ones. I mean, I I wouldn't necessarily go so far as to say looking forward, but I did think that, like... You were just like... glad if they were going <laughs> to do one, they did this one. 
Yeah. <clears throat> well, just because it it the story fits being live action better, like, and they can tell the story a bit differently. But we'll see how it actually plays yeah, out. Yeah, they're not going to have Moose. You, they're not going to have the song. So yeah, exactly. And I think those are good. Like, make it a little different. Maybe um, not. Not the cricket either. Well, you, they oh. lost me. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, no. Oh no, not the little friend. Not the little fan. <laughs> Um, all right. So, um, it, to me, it seems like I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand how they, like, I, I think the, the $30 as opposed, cause like a movie ticket would be like 10, maybe $12. I don't know. It depends on where you live, I guess. But, um, my thinking, the logic of making it so much more than that, I'm guessing is you would own it and multiple people can theoretically watch it together yeah you're paying like i don't for for a few people plus they do have to raise the price so they can make back the money they would have because otherwise if they were to release like 15 bucks they're gonna lose because how much was mulan i'll look that up real quick but if they just put on on itunes for like 14.99 they'll lose they won't be able to make back that money because home video is not what it used to be. Yeah, they I mean, spent two hundred million on this. So <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, what I was gonna like, what I was gonna say though is like, um, I don't know that putting it up at thirty dollars is gonna do that either because I, I, these movies feel like event movies, like you said, that come and go, and if they're not in theaters, I. To to me, I always felt like they. To me, it always felt like they must have been doing so well because people like going to the movie theater, and there's a big Disney movie. They're nostalgic about that. But like well, Aladdin it, last year, Aladdin was big. <clears throat> now no one talks about it. Yeah, um, people and, loved it, and now it's just gone. And I get. Do do you have to? spend like do you have to sign up for Disney Plus and then spend the $30 yes. or that's the you, other like like you have it, to be already had to be a Disney Plus subscriber and then you'll pay for it and they say as long as you subscribe to Disney Plus you'll have it although if you just wait a few months you can have it unless they take it off the service yeah, I don't know whether or not it's successful, which it but probably won't be that as, successful. As long as you're subscribed to Disney Plus, you pay that thirty bucks, you'll have it forever. That's not that. That's not the altruistic thing they make it sound <laughs> like. Um, you own this if you subscribe. That's See, that's very, why I would buy it off iTunes. Yeah, part of me feels like, part of me almost wonders if like they're like they spent a lot of money on this. They have to go for a bold business strategy to try and make this up. And the thing I worry is if it happens to be successful, that is a bad precedent. Because yes. if this is the new, if the new thing is streaming services can charge you tons of money on top of it to just own the movie that is eventually going to be for free. Like, that's a, like, whether or not it's successful, that just seems like a terrible precedent to, to set for, it seems like, it, I know they spent a lot on it, but like it's, it would seem more like you should incentivize subscribing to their service that gives you free content for the the monthly price. Like that seems like the point of a streaming service, rather than to have this added on like iTunes that you can only access if you subscribe thing. It just seems like a. I think a, people would have responded better if they just just dumped it on iTunes instead of saying get it on Disney Plus for 30 bucks yeah like if they had, had it and eventually maybe Disney Plus subscribers would get it a week before it's um Blu-ray release or something like that yeah in general personally I've always hate like part of the reason I don't buy digital movies is they're extremely not open source for some reason like I mean well, I, uh movies anywhere yeah, that's like the that's like the one thing, but I don't know. I never. But like, um, I have movies anywhere, and my movies from Vudu are in my iTunes library. Oh, so they 
I, I don't think I knew that, they, that it goes into your iTunes library. Because I like using the iTunes library, but it's like, just... If I buy a movie on iTunes, it go, I can access it on my Vudu account. And the one, like the Batman, like the Warner Brothers anime movies I redeem on Vudu, I can watch on iTunes and download them on iTunes. Okay. Well, well, that's the kind of precedent that would be better to continue. I didn't know that. I just signed up for Movies yeah. Anywhere to watch my... Because I knew uh, Movies Anywhere, it would like be in one collection. for yeah. I wanted it for my Roku. And then suddenly, I go on to my Apple TV. I'm like, wait a minute. Why are all my Spider-Man movies on your... What what What, what, what is this? Uh, a little gift from Movies, yeah. from movies <laughs> yeah. Anywhere? Yeah, wow. God bless you, Movies Anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, it's just the the idea of, like, if more streaming services started to do this, the idea that not only do you have to pay for all these streaming services, but then you have different collections of movies and different streaming services is... I might just stop watching things. <laughs> That's stressful to think about. I think, like, for me, if I were to watch Mulan, it'd be one and done. Yeah. And... Now I do have a few questions to ask questions to ask about this. Yeah. Do you think it will be as successful as Disney would hope? Well, what did you think was the possibility for it before when it was going to be theatrical versus what's going to happen now? I would think that it's it has to do way worse. Like I and I, I almost, like, I have a hard time imagining that they would expect anything else. Like, it would probably be another huge movie um, if it were released theatrically outside of the reality of a pandemic. But I don't know. I, I don't... I don't know that that many people are going to... Like, I don't think that people are in the mindset to where they feel like spending $30 is going to be worth it, that, that's, that they make up all that money. Yeah, I thought... I didn't think Aladdin was going to be as successful, say, Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin, but I thought it'd be... I thought it'd be nice. I thought it'd be a success for them. But mm-hmm. now... I... How much... They, the, it costs $200 million to make. Yeah. I... Like, and we listen to it. How much has Scoob made so far? Like, it sounds like Universal was being more excited about um excited about trolls than they probably should have been. Oh, <laughs> so Scoob has topped the digital rental charts for first three weekends of release. And according to Wikipedia, it made nine million. It's made nine million in total. Oh. Which I promise you, that movie cost more than <laughs> nine million. Yeah. So, do you think they could have maybe? Obviously, you couldn't plan for this, but could they have made? In a, if this pandemic had happened a year or two earlier. Could they maybe have done this with, say, Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast and be more comfortable with Mulan? Uh, or would it still have been a, this is not going to be the six? This isn't going to, there aren't going to be as many people who purchase for $30 the rights to view it. I think, either way, you would have been better if to do this with Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin. But still, I don't think. Yeah, no, I don't. With everything I don't, going on, it's. It would have made more. Those two would have made more than Mulan, but I still think <clears throat> n- not as much as they as Disney would have hoped for. Yeah, I don't. I don't see the the movie itself being as much of a a, a factor as just the way they're releasing it. <clears throat> All right, now here's another question to ask. <clears throat> Thirty bucks is a lot of money. Yeah. What happens if this movie is bad? 
Will there be people demanding refunds or something? Yeah, what do you, I know. Will there be a giant outcry? Now remember, pandemic, the economy's in the crapper now. 30 bucks in a movie that's bad. What I do you actually think would think happen? That, <clears throat> I, I actually almost feel like that's that could cause an even more angry reaction than like a theater because I think people like have the theater experience they go and they're like at least I ate popcorn and sat in a movie theater but this is like they're at home they just spent $30 which you could have easily just spent on uh, you could have watched the animated one for free yeah and then it sucks and you're like I'm still just at home and I just I'm $30 poorer and I just ate (laughs) Triscuits the whole time. Could this, if it's bad, could there be a bunch of cancellations for Disney Plus? Could a bunch of people just over that? Now, right now, Disney Plus is the thing that's giving Disney money. Could a bunch of people unsubscribe over this? Over if it's if they pay the thirty dollars and it's bad. Potentially, it could cause some kind of some kind of swell. All right. I guess the last thing for this topic of Mulan is there any movie that you would pay thirty bucks to see next month? Any upcoming movie, thirty bucks next month? They won't. They won't be. So yeah, for a digital edition of it. I'll just say this. The only one I would do it for is the Batman. Yeah. That's the only one I would do it for. I was going to say, the only thing I could imagine really even being successful this way is something huge. Like, it would have to be, like, a Star Wars that people are actually excited for or a Batman movie or something. Like, it has to have, like intensely dedicated fans who are waiting for this next thing in the franchise they love to finally come out and then it finally comes out and they can't wait to watch it $30 it's it's nothing for this like but I don't think there's any movies coming out this year that I would spend $30 on uh, like <laughs> I I I I think it I think only a hypothetical movie would I ever do that for all right. We'll ask this too. I was fearing this would take over the episode, but it's a big <laughs> it's a big thing that happened. What do you think could be the next movie to do this? What move what big movie coming out this year do you think will do this? I've lost track of a lot of things that are even coming out this year, but um... I'll I'll say this before you start. Yeah. I think Disney should be very much having a sigh of relief that Black Widow has no powers and it cost a lot less to make than Avengers or an Iron Man. And it wasn't going to be one of their big hits. Right. I don't see Black... I think Black Widow is going to Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Because it's not like... Like Captain America, Iron Man, Spider Man, those are guaranteed successes. Black Widow, I think they're gonna move it over to the streaming service. <clears throat> right. What do you think? Do you think Black Widow will move over, or do you think they'll still try to put it in theaters? I don't think they will. I think they're gonna cut their losses and say. You know what? Twenty. What what do they have in twenty twenty one? I don't look because I don't keep up with the MCU anymore. But yeah. Don't. Let's see. What are the next movies in twenty? Uh, I mean, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I mean, they got Spider Man. I mean, a lot of people didn't like Far From Home, but. It's well, I mean, they're not the distributors of it, but yeah. I mean, maybe if they want to, they could try to move up Thor 4. Right. 
So, do you think... What do you think will happen on Black Widow? I... I think it probably will go Disney+. Plus. I don't know whether or not they would try uh, doing the $30 thing again or oh, something. Oh, if they do, they're doing the $30 thing. Yeah. There's no way they're going to give Black Widow for free. Yeah, I, I know that. I think I think it would... When, when was it slated to come out? It, fairly soon, or... Um... When was Black Widow coming out? Right now, it's targeted for November 6th. Okay. Yeah, I think it... I think it's probably going to see similar to Mulan. All right. You know, here's another one to ask. It's not Disney. What do you think happens with Wonder Woman, 1984? I'll I say this. No ask you that. way will it go to streaming. No way. No way. Warner Brothers is not going to allow that because, number one, Wonder Woman is now... Since they're, they don't have any plans for Superman, that is their number two right now behind Batman. That is yeah. their number two. It is the sequel. It is Cheetah. It is... I. There's going to... People are hoping for it to be her Superman 2 or her The Dark Knight. Yeah. No way will they put it in on streaming. And honest, of all the superhero movies... That Wonder Woman will be the one to bring people in because besides it just being Wonder Woman, you had people who grew up on the Linda Carter show, the Justice League animated show. You had generations of Wonder Woman fans versus Black Widow. Not so much. I mean, people like Black Widow, but it's not. She's not. She's not. Yeah, Wonder I mean, it's Woman not Wonder Woman. Yeah. Or Batman or Spider Man. So no way, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman will for sure be in theaters what do you think uh yeah i i would tend to agree that yeah uh, it's harder much harder to see that wonder woman going to streaming like that they're probably really banking on this like (laughs) and i mean i don't know like this is a separate topic altogether but like these companies like for movies that a lot of these uh production companies like can't afford to not release in a big way they've probably got to start thinking about a new way like do a propaganda campaign for drive-in movies or something i don't like (laughs) because we're it's it's gonna be a hard you're gonna we're there's gonna be a lot of delays if people aren't willing to put it on the internet but I guess last question for this topic and okay we got six minutes before we had to restart the zoom do you think theaters will open this year in 2020 I I think where we live in the United States I don't think they will I think they'll open up in other areas, but as long as we, as long as, as long as there are people, yeah, who say, and I will not be muzzled like a mad dog, you pieces <laughs> of crap, you're trying to take away our rights, <laughs> and if we listen to these people are pieces of crap, we won't have any rights because we'll be dead. Versus, <laughs> oh, no. versus in Canada, they say, "Oh, I wear a mask, eh? It's to help help me, help me neighbors, eh? That's what we do. <laughs> We're kind, eh?" Yeah, no, I. Uh, I this I just is don't just, think it'll happen this year. I. We're basically in a situation where, and I have basically, I'm like, this is reality until there's a vaccine, and then at that point, probably still not. These people are going to be like, "You're taking my my rights by trying to give me a vaccine. <laughs> How dare you not allow me to get a haircut?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's why I mentioned that they just like. We're gonna have to start going to drive drive in theaters or something because I don't know when theaters are ever gonna open again. 
Yeah, I don't know. Did if they do, what... it's just going to continue the way it is, so. Yeah, it's... Man, you see these videos online of, like, there was this one with this guy in a grocery store not wearing a mask. And now, yeah. I haven't been to a grocery store since this happened, but don't they have, like, the little arrows to show you how... Yeah, the direction you walk. on the floor? Yeah, usually where I've been, there's arrows that tell you the direction to walk to basically say, like, walk on this side so you're distant from the person walking on the other side of the aisle and you're not, like, crossing each other really close. Okay, like a traffic kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's just it's just like a recommended traffic thing. All right, there was this guy who was ripping the arrows up at a store, and he <laughs> says, we need to liberate the people, okay? The CDC is trying to take away our rights. It's like, no, sir, please put the... No, we need to fight now. And I'm, and I'm just like, man... It's people like you, which is why movie. <laughs> we're not gonna have any movies in 2020. Yeah, yeah. Best movie, <laughs> Onward. Worst, Scoob. Yeah. We'll have a very short end of the year special. Yeah, I know. I, so far, honestly, I think I have uh, a a one a top one list. Yes. <laughs> I have Onward and that Ben Affleck movie. All right, okay. so do we want to move on to your next comic? Yes, uh, let's move on. I've got a big stack here. I've mentioned this series on the show, but now we have visual aids. I was following this for a while. Paper Girls, all oh. six trade paperbacks from Image Comics. Uh, multiple Eisner Award winner sticker on the front. Um... Yeah, moving away from superheroes, because a lot of the uh, comics I read are more sci-fi or fantasy kind of things of just IPs that no one cares about and only last usually six volumes <laughs> or six issues. Um, <laughs> I love the miniseries. This is one I, I caught onto as it was coming out. And I just patiently waited for each trade paperback to come out rather than picking up individual issues, which was very hard when it got to the uh, the final uh, volume because I really wanted to continue reading the story, but I patiently waited until the the full volume came out. But um, this this just is a series that feeds into my love of. Uh, a bunch of kids getting together fighting a, a, a great battle that you wouldn't expect a bunch of preteens to be able to fight a la Stranger Things or It or something. Um, but it's like basically a group of paper girls in the 80s who um, accidentally travel in time and it's a big like mind-bending time travel story where they meet their future selves in multiple eras learn things about themselves in the future that they probably didn't want to know uh, and they are fighting to uh, make things normal and get back to their uh, uh, regular lives in in the 80s trying to be kids again but um which is like a it's a it's a very standard time travel story plot like it has a lot of the standard things you've done but it's just written so well it's from uh brian k vaughn who uh oh, I did, think he did saga. some wonder woman stuff yes and that was also cliff uh chiang who did do wonder woman stuff it says it on here <clears throat> um yeah great series and i thought uh it ended well too it was it was satisfying I love the satisfying endings. Yeah, like you said with the, that, um, the the crisis. Uh, like this is one where it's just like every time I, well, luckily every time I finished an issue, typically I just could continue it on the next page. Yeah. Uh, but I was very much like, oh, I gotta read because everything like ends on a cliffhanger. But when I'd get to the end of a volume, I'd just be like, ooh, I don't know how I'm gonna wait months and months, because <laughs> um, I have to patiently wait as six issues come out and then yes. <laughs> uh, and then the period of time but yeah the series is now over 
you can read the entire thing in six volumes. It's very good. It's been one of my favorites, uh, getting back into reading comics. Paper Girls. Yeah. Some good stuff. All right. And, well, that's all for this week's comment section. Tune in next time to hear the last part of our, of course, trilogy of honorary Comic-Con specials. Hear the last of our picks and a bunch of rabbit hole next episode. Keep falling down that rabbit hole.